0: I'm going to be doing the scripture reading today. I'll be reading from Nehemiah 9, 6 through 15. And Ezra said, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. To all of them you give life, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur, of the of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham and you found his heart faithful before you and made him with him a covenant to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite and you have fulfilled your promise for you are righteous. And you saw the distress of your ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted insolently against their ancestors. You made a name for yourself that remains to this day, and you divided the sea before them so that they passed through the sea on dry land. But you threw their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters." Moreover, you led them by day with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way in which they should go. You came down also upon Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commandments and statutes and a law through Moses your servant. For their hunger you gave them bread from heaven and for their thirst You brought water for them out of the rock, and you told them to go in to possess the land that you swore to give them. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. We are going to be returning to this text in Nehemiah 9 today, Um, looking at this prayer. After a short break last week, we are continuing to explore through this text some of the makeup of spiritual renewal, and we're doing so by considering some of the renewal that Israel is walking through after their exile in Babylon. And today, as we sort of conclude this mini-series in Nehemiah 9, today I want to suggest that mindfulness is one of the oft-overlooked but unquestionably important features of renewal in the spiritual life, mindfulness. I'm not necessarily talking about mindfulness in the sense of mindful meditation practices, but rather in the sense of a simple increasing awareness of God in every moment. In a hyper-distracted age, awareness is perhaps one of the greatest challenges we face. We are bombarded with unbelievable amounts of of information every day, every hour. Amounts of information that 100, even 50 years ago would have been unthinkable and to be fair would have been impossible. And that information overload, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have, that information overload can turn every piece of information we receive into nothing more than white noise. So we have information overload. We also have incredible amounts of tools of distraction at our disposal. If I don't want to sit with an emotion, if I don't want to sit with an uncomfortable reality, I I don't have to. I can hop on social media. I can do a little bit of online shopping therapy, which of course is not therapeutic at all, but rather avoidant. So, So we have information overload. We have incredible tools of distraction, another enemy of awareness is familiarity or over-familiarity. I think about my drive across town in the morning, even this morning. I make that trip so often. I can drive from my house to this building without ever really, I mean truly noticing many of the details. Not because my coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet, although that may be a part of it, um, I'm, I'm driving safely and alertly, but I'm so familiar with that route that I don't have to notice the details of what I see. If you asked me to recount specifics about what I saw on my way here this morning, I would have, a difficult, I, I would have more luck telling you about a drive on our vacation earlier this summer that I made one time over familiarity. In his book, The Everlasting Man, G.K. Chesterton, suggested that familiarity is the greatest of all illusions, the greatest of all illusions. In other words, nothing distorts our vision and clarity like overfamiliarity. The Catholic priest and author Ronald Rollheiser, commenting on what Chesterton writes there, he, he put it this way. He said, the secret to life is to learn to look at things familiar until they look unfamiliar again. We open our eyes to depth when we open ourselves to wonder. He went on to suggest that spiritual renewal occurs when our eyes begin to shift away from seeing through familiarity to seeing through wonder, being surprised again at the presence and activity of God, even in the mundane and ordinary. So a question I want us to consider today, is it possible that a lack of mindfulness could be one of the greatest impediments to the spiritual life. I mean, how can we even notice the activity, presence, and invitation of God in each moment if we are going through life not actually recognizing our lives as spiritual beings in communion with God in each moment? The importance of awareness I want to submit today cannot be overstated when it comes to our spiritual development. So two weeks ago, we've already spent some time in Nehemiah 9 thinking about awareness. Two weeks ago though, it was awareness in terms of ourselves. Facing who I really am. We walk around ourselves as Dostoevsky wrote. We, We embrace introspection. We refuse to lie to ourselves uh, about who we really are. We enter into habits of confession. So we talked about awareness in terms of the self. Today we shift our focus to awareness in terms of our relationship with God. So as we continue reading this prayer that Ashley has just started reading for us a moment ago, remember the people have recently returned to the city of Jerusalem The conclusion of the Babylonian exile, the the temple has been rebuilt, the walls around the city have been rebuilt, and now the people are beginning to embrace these efforts of spiritual renewal. And I think as we read this prayer, we find uh, some keys that could help lead us on a daily basis into this posture of renewal. So I want to pick it up where Ashley stopped reading. I'm going to read another lengthy section beginning in verse 16. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious, And merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies you in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness the pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go you gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. The prayer doesn't end here, but we'll, we'll pause at that point. So we find in this prayer they're walking through some of the specifics from their national history, they confess their personal, and, personal sins and the sins of their ancestors, which we talked about several weeks ago, sins that included acting presumptuously and acting in disobedience. But I wonder if it's possible that behind all of that was their refusal or their failure to be mindful as Ezra says in the prayer, of the great wonders God performed among them. We were not mindful of the great wonders you performed among us. When we forget the presence of God, the activity of God in each moment, apathy dominates, and I think sin hovers nearby. So like the ancient people of Israel, perhaps many of our own missteps originate in that forgetfulness of the great wonders God performed in the past and a forgetfulness of his ongoing presence with us in this moment. We are so often, I'm speaking of myself, so often simply not mindful of God's presence in this moment. Richard Beck, who's a psychologist, he teaches at Abilene Christian University, he said this, While God is everywhere, without visible and visual reminders of God's presence, we're going to struggle in our disenchanted age to remember that God is even there at all. Lack of mindfulness or awareness. You know, one of the things that we hope to do every week, week after week, as we gather with the body to worship, as we also engage in individual spiritual practices throughout the week, one of our hopes and prayers is that we might be reminded of God's presence. I think we do this in so many different ways. Of course, we do it through explicitly spiritual practices like prayer, singing songs together, together or reading the scriptures I also think we do it through much more ordinary spiritual practices. I think this is also a part of why the sacraments of the church, so I'm thinking specifically of baptism, which we will participate in in a few weeks, and the Eucharist or communion, why why these sacraments involve tangible things, water, bread, liquid. This is for us a reminder. We enter into the waters of baptism or we partake in this meal as a reminder of Christ's presence with us that we can't see with our physical eyes. This is, for instance, one reason we incorporate a practice like lighting candles during worship. Maybe you see people light candles in prayer. That that is not a sort of magical ritual that, that... Ensures that our prayers are lifted up to God in some far off, distant place. Rather, it's it's a visible symbol and a physical act that reminds us that Christ is here, that reminds us that Christ is the light of the world. Light is an important image throughout our scriptures the beginning of John's gospel, Jesus himself is referred to as the light which gives light to everyone. We're told that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. At times, we light candles in prayer as an embodied act to connect with this truth about Jesus so that we can remember Jesus is with us. We might liken it to raising our hands in worship or kneeling in prayer. As we posture our bodies, we connect with these spiritual truths, perhaps in a deeper way. All of those practices, the goal in them is that we might be reminded by whatever means necessary of God's presence and activity among us so that we might remain mindful and aware. Because when awareness falters, apathy dominates and sin hovers nearby. So this is a part of Israel's prayer. We, we read it a moment ago. There's an acknowledgement. We forgot you. We were not mindful of your presence and activity. We were not mindful of the wonders you performed. But notice the prayer doesn't end there. We juxtapose that failure a failure that I think often plagues us, maybe even more so in our age of distraction. But we don't stop there. We juxtapose that failure with the truth articulated, both in this prayer, but articulated throughout our scriptures. We even saw it in our call to worship from Psalm 111, where the psalmist describes the character and covenant faithfulness of God. God is merciful, gracious, Compassionate, As we often sing together, our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. The psalmist in 111 says, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. His righteousness endures forever. When we forget the relationship we have with our God, when we forget and are not mindful of his wondrous deeds among us, even then he remembers his covenant forever we forget he is mindful. We sin and repeatedly turn our backs he redeems his people. The promise from Lamentations 3, you're probably familiar with it, puts it like this, but this I call to mind I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they're new every morning If we can see them, if we can become aware to them, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, even in my failure. When I forget, he remembers. When I am not mindful, his merciful deeds continue. But again, we can't stop. There A, a heart, I, I want to suggest, a heart that desires to be renewed day by day, a heart that desires to again enter into the life of Christ, is not content to continue in ignorance or persist in mindless forgetfulness about God's presence. If I want to be renewed, I must find ways to remember God's presence and activity, both in the spectacular and the mundane, noticing, becoming aware, because in reality, even what appears to be mundane is actually spectacular and a miraculous display of god 's glory. if we can be strong enough, as Chesterton said elsewhere, to exult in monotony, to find god god 's glory in the ordinary or mundane this, I, I want to read a section from another book. It's a lot of Chesterton today, but that's probably an okay thing. It'd probably be better if I just read the entire selection and (laughs) included none of my words, but alas, here we are. This is what he said. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them Maybe that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. The strength to exult in monotony. To have our eyes opened again in wonder. Instead of being content to see through familiarity, having our eyes opened again to wonder. This is what we read in our psalm from 111, our call to worship in verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. Studied by all who delight in them. Studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Great are the works of the Lord. Even if I don't recognize their greatness, but I want to be a person of faith, willing to study and delight in the works of our God who is ever mindful of the presence of God. I want to become a person of faith who goes through life with an openness to seeing God's presence and activity in it all. And I'm intentionally saying I want to become that sort of a person of faith because I have not arrived. But I want to, I long to be a person of faith who develops a spiritual sensitivity capable of exulting in monotony having developed a spiritual appetite that is able to perceive and delight in spiritual significance, even in the ordinary, finding God in it all. There was a Benedictine monk who who wrote this. Leisure is not the privilege of those who have time, but rather the virtue of those who give to each instant of life the time it deserves. I think this gets at what what I'm hoping to drive home today. Each moment of our lives, from the, the most significant to the least significant, each moment deserves our awareness, and in each moment we can find God's presence if we're open to it. So I encourage you to ask, how is God here now? The prayer that we've been reading over the past several weeks in Nehemiah includes all of these details about God's sustaining presence and incredible works throughout the history of their people. I think the prayer itself functions as this act of awareness, helping the people combat their tendency to forget. And that is a task that we continue to engage in. We want to keep the story always fresh, in our minds and hearts we want to retell the story constantly of god's creation self-disclosure to humanity incarnation redemption and new life we are offered in jesus christ and the glory that awaits when all of creation is renewed we retell that story time and time again even when it seems monotonous Even when we think we know the story, we've heard it enough, but a lot of times over-familiarity prevents us from entering into it again. That's why we sing songs like we did this morning, retelling a story from the Gospels so that we can enter the story. Sometimes just hearing the story again, entering into it afresh, allowing it to continue to shape us, sometimes that is enough a reminder that God is present, bringing restoration. And as we are reminded of this story, we are then drawn to worship the God who creates, sustains, redeems, and enlivens. So as we bring this to a close today, I want to offer a very simple suggestion for beginning and ending the day with the goal of becoming increasingly aware of God's presence and activity it's not a new suggestion it's one that we've talked about a lot over the years and it's not an original suggestion this is a a practice that has been handed down to us with deep roots in ignatian spirituality but it's one of the beautiful benefits i have experienced through the prayer of examine a prayer model that helps us Look for and remember God's presence throughout the day that just ended. And as we notice it, to then express gratitude for God's presence, provision, and invitation to allow the Spirit to highlight sin in our lives, but to also highlight God's activity in ordinary ways, to reflect on the day, and in so doing, prepare for the next day. And I think a practice, at least in my experience, a practice like this has helped to break me out of not only cycles of distraction, but also cycles of overfamiliarity, and begin to see with renewed clarity, God is here. Even when it doesn't seem like it, when I'm doing the dishes or folding laundry, God is here in this moment. And there's an invitation, even in the monotony, into life with him. To wrap this up, I, want to, I already said that, so to continue to wrap this up, <laughs> I, I want to conclude by returning not to our tendency to forget, not the fact that we are often not mindful of the wonders God performs, but in stark contrast to our forgetfulness, we are reminded God is ever mindful of his covenant. He is gracious in mercy reminded that He is ever mindful of us, He is ever merciful toward us, He is ever embracing as we return. We see that voiced in the prayer, but you are a God, we've we've voiced our failure, we have not been mindful of your wondrous deeds, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you, in your great mercies, did not forsake them in the wilderness. Thanks be to God. You did not forsake them. They ran, they sinned, they forgot. You are gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We run. You do not forsake. Like how Kenneth Tanner put it. He pastors a church in Michigan. He recently said, no matter the distance, our hearts and minds sail from God. God is our stowaway. Would you stand? That was powerful. Would you stand? We're going to gather around the table of our Lord as an act of awareness, being reminded through these physical and tangible elements, reminded of Christ's presence with us now in this moment. We invite you to the table of our Lord, and it's not our invitation. Jesus, I I believe, Jesus himself is inviting you to feast in this meal. We celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. We're going to make two lines down these center aisles. When you get to the front, you'll hear the words spoken over you, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. You can take the elements and return to your seat. Say a prayer by way of invitation. Jesus, even this morning as we have said prayers, confessed creeds, sang songs together, had conversations with one another, all as an act of being reminded in our age of disenchantment, being reminded that you are with us, that you are here. We not so much invite you into this moment as to recognize your presence here. We open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, to encounter your presence in this meal. Would you make our hearts receptive? Now we pray, keep your church, O Lord, by your perpetual mercy. And because without you, the frailty of our nature causes us to fall, keep us from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable for our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God,
0: forever and ever. Amen. Would you join me at the table?